You're listening to Soul Roadmap, episode number 23. If you have little ones around, you may want to pop in your earbuds because there's a dash of salty talk on today's episode. Welcome to Soul Roadmap Podcast. Each week, you'll hear strategies and inspiration to take action and live life better. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, lawyer, coach, and entrepreneur. This podcast is your roadmap to creating more success in your life, business, and relationships. Let's get started. Today, I get to introduce you to a woman who is a joy. We had a lot of laughs, and I think you're going to have fun listening to our talk. We talk about all the sabotaging behaviors we make and not finding love. And my guest answers the question, why am I so smart and can't find love? While we both are no-nonsense in this conversation because that's just our personalities, I want you to know that this can be a sensitive topic. Dating isn't easy, and entering a relationship challenges us in ways that we don't always like to challenge ourselves because we're talking about becoming vulnerable. I don't know about you, but I was taught to be the opposite of vulnerable in my career as a lawyer, so these kinds of conversations are a must To the men listening, there's a lot here for you. I initially thought I was going to warn you off when we were recording, but although my guest may be lady-focused, everything she talks about applies to you if you're a successful single man. Plus, you'll also want to hear how women think, which may even be some of the things you've thought. Now that's some valuable information you can use, but please, please, please promise to use it only for good. As a side note, you'll hear us talk about Jim Fortin in this episode. I'm going to introduce you to him in a few weeks so you'll learn why we gush over him. He's had a huge impact on my guest and myself, so that's a little inside info to make our side comments make a little more sense to you. We're going to talk about links. All of those links will be at dinacataldo.com forward slash 23. That's dinacataldo.com forward slash 23. And that's it. All right, let's get into this episode. Raika Yagamai is the founder and CEO of Dating with Confidence, a certified life coach and a dating and relationship expert for single women. She helps savvy, smart, and high-achieving single women who have created success in many areas of their lives, but not in their love lives, to stop the repeating patterns of dating the wrong guys, connect to their self-worth, and value to feel confident and sexy so that they can attract quality, relationship-ready men and finally create the love lives they desire. She's Iranian-American, so she also specializes in helping Eastern and Middle Eastern women navigate dating in Western culture. She coaches women virtually by phone or Skype all around the world through private sessions, group classes, and do-it-yourself online courses. She's been featured in Your Tango, Blog Talk Radio, Bustle.com, Elite Daily, and more. She is also a professional opera singer. How awesome is that? She talks about her experience in the classical music industry, which was fascinating fascinating to me because many of her experiences mirrored my own as well as the experience of lawyers I've talked to about relationships. All right, let's jump in and I will let Raika tell you more about herself. Raika, how are you today? I am really well (laughs) tonight. (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that you are here. 
So I have already given a little intro to listeners and I wanted you to give yourself a little intro right now. If you could just say hi to everybody. Well, hello. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm Reika and um, my name comes from Iran. I'm an Iranian American. I live in San Francisco. I am a professional opera singer and a certified dating and relationship coach for single women. And I love what I do. I can tell that you love what you do because I went onto your Facebook group and I've looked at your YouTube videos. And of course, I know you through Jim Fortin's program. Yeah. And you just have some joy about you, girl. So I just am so happy to get to share your joy with everybody who's listening. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really love what I do. I think it's important for me. I've always, I don't know why, I don't know how I had that wisdom in me or who instilled it, but I somehow had this wisdom from ever since I was a kid that I'm doing what I don't like. And from where I come, from Iran, you either were a lawyer or a doctor, not even an engineer. You know, that was kind of frowned upon. Oh, how interesting. My friend who's Iranian, both of her parents are engineers. Oh, yeah. Mine too. My dad is an engineer. Uh, But, you know, like there was this period of time where everybody had to be a doctor. And I hate being a doctor. I mean, I love surgery, but I don't like to study. So, um, I mean, like, let's be honest, I ain't going to read those thick books. It's all like blah, blah, blah to me. So I just was very um, clear that I won't do something I don't like. And I went into music and I, you know, got my master's in vocal performance. And then I realized I love it and I'm very dedicated. And I still, you know, up to this day, except for these past six months of having my back injury, I've taken, you know, I mean, I'm in my 40s, I've taken 25 years of two sessions a week for my voice training. So I'm very, very dedicated to it. But there is something that I wanted more, Dina, something more, you know, like make a difference and be part of the change. And for me, empowering women on their way to find love, it really does that. Because I think nothing challenges us more intimately and challenges our vulnerability than our process of finding love. Because at the end of it, and I know, you know, your listeners are smart people. So, you know, I know you've heard this, but I'm going to say it again anyway. In the process of finding love, when you do it right, you really realize that it's about finding love with you. And that to me is such a powerful place to be. It's not selfish, but it's where we are in our most potential where we can create anything we want, anything. Our love life, our work life, our social life, our health life, our spiritual life, you know, our communication life, our financial life, all of it. So true. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So you obviously came into dating with confidence with a mission. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us what that mission is? Well, you know, I really believe that women are the nurturers of the society. I think it's in our DNA. I think it's who we are. 
you know, we're mothers by nature. And uh, whether we become mothers or not, I'm not a mom, but I'm a nurturer. I think that the role that we play in the society in terms of nurturing and teaching is huge. And I believe that if women really step into their power, and by that I mean operating at the highest level of their consciousness, being able to make decision out of choice rather than fear. When we are at that level, we can change the world. And not to get too political, but I think that the reason this country is in such a political shamble, not because I'm against or pro our president, but because just to see mom and dad, Democrats and Republicans fighting the way they are, it's just disgusting to me. And when I really think of it, the root cause of all this, you know, mostly testosterone-driven BS is not growing up (laughs) in a proper way to make better decisions. And I think that when we have mothers, when we have women who are more mindful and then they teach and bring that energy to our society... I think we really can make a difference. And for me, that's really the mission of Dating with Confidence. Because as I said, nothing challenges a woman or a man more than the process of finding love. And I'm talking about people who really want to find love, people who genuinely want to have partnership. It challenges you. You know, when I talk to people who have done that, and of course, I'm an example of that myself you really see that what they have in common is how much they had to grow in order to create this partnership. And I think that if I can get to support women, you know, on their journey to find love with a very vulnerable, very intimate, very sensitive part of their being, if you can strengthen that part of the woman, the rest of it is like easy peasy, you know? So how many women do we know, Dina? Like you are an incredibly educated woman and I like bow to you, you know, oh. you were telling me what you, no, seriously. I mean, <laughs> I was just telling you, I'd like to be a doctor, but I don't like to study. So you know, can you imagine? <laughs> like, you know, I know how to read music. That's pretty much the extent of it, you know? And then I do audiobooks. But girl, you do way more than that. You are selling yourself short. No, no, no. But what I mean is, is like, you know, I can sing. I definitely sing like high C's, like nobody's business. But, you know, and I can definitely coach and stop in front of those limiting beliefs. You know, I can do that. But what I mean is that we have what our society has become, whether it's here in the United States or Europe or even the Middle East, even more maybe in the Middle East, you know, or Asian countries, is we have become a society as a whole, the world has become a society that is producing women who have learned ever since they were a kid that they have to be good at school and they have to do good at school and they have to get a great job because now we're in the world of hashtag me to inequality. So, you know, we need to have power, but we're exerting our power only in a, like this much of it. You see what I mean? And when you say this much of it, just for the record, it's a tiny bit. I mean, yes, tiny bit. Exactly. Like dating with confidence. And that's why I call it confidence because 
a lot of women have learned throughout our schooling process, throughout our education process, and coming from both the Eastern and the Western world, I know it's quite the same there as well as it is here, even maybe more, that education is the big part of our process. Name one course that is taught to us during our preschool to 12th grade or bachelor's program or master's program that focuses, that teaches both men and women how to find their love partner. Yeah. And I mean, you're preaching because I feel that the skills that we need most, which are thinking and interacting and communicating with other people, we're not taught those. We're just not. No. So we have become really good at that masculine go-getter energy, but inside there is this turmoil. Because, and this is based on research, that humans, their DNA is made to be in partnership. Hmm. Okay. The cause of death at old age comes more from loneliness than being old. It is a very, very serious problem. And we don't like as humans to be by ourselves. So what happens, and I'm sure you've seen this in your field, that a lot of women go through this process, they are incredibly educated. I mean, you and I are both a product of this process, right? You know, master's degree, good schools, great careers, you know. I mean, I was a career woman for many, many years, and I still am, you know, I still pursue my operatic career. And we go through this process, and then we think what we have learned in school is what we need to apply to finding our life partner. And we crash and burn drastically. Oh, yeah. Right? Because it's nothing <laughs> but a bunch of masculine energy. And I don't mean manly. I mean, do it this way. If he's not on time, I'm leaving, you know, or be there or be square or call me or leave it or take I mean, I used to say that, leave it or take it for years. Oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> okay, so that brings me to why did you feel that this was so necessary in your own life? Like what was the low point in your dating career, so to speak? Oh girl, how much coffee do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's tea. It's always tea. It's always tea. <laughs> you're good. Come on, you're Iranian. Yeah, I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> I've betrayed my family. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, let's see. A few things really affected my love life in a negative way. One is um, I'm a product of an ancient <laughs> um, system of classical music. It's nothing but a chauvinist. And I can say that now. It feels so good to have the freedom to say this stuff back. Five years ago, even, I would be scared if anybody heard this because they wouldn't hire me back. And right now, I just don't care because I sing when I want to sing. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, back in, you know, when I went to school, the idea of wanting to be in a relationship or having kids, oh, my God, it I'm not saying that directly somebody came and told me, Raika, you cannot do that. But the underlying message, both in undergrad and grad, was you do that. You're not serious about your career. Like you don't have a space mm -hmm. in the classical music world. 
you don't take time off to see your boyfriend. You go to rehearsal and you show up to your auditions and you don't have excuses. And you also don't do it for money. So good luck to you. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but luckily, I have an incredible voice teacher who was always against all that bullshit, you know. Can I cuss on your... Um, yeah. Okay. I don't think I've had that come up yet. Yay! Well, the first yay! Person. The first one! If only my mother would listen to this. <laughs> I'll have to put one of those disclaimers at the beginning now. Right. <laughs> like, bleep, 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 bleep. Okay. Um, yeah, so I have a very, very wise teacher, a very Jim Portini, actually, very Jim Portini. And um, she always encouraged me to think otherwise. But I mean, the influence of that, it's like, you know, having this great grandfather on top of you that says, you do not get married or you do not have kids, you pay attention to your singing. You know, it's like all the time. So that's that. And then considering the fact that I'm Iranian American, I come from a totally different culture. You know, we don't have dating in our culture in Iran, or at least back when I grew up. No, we don't have arranged marriage. I, I'm some parts of Iran do, but not where I came from. So I'm not saying it was arranged marriage. No, it was definitely courting. And we had a great time getting to know guys. But once you, it was kind of like the French style, right? Like with my French clients, they're also struggling with that because there's no dating. Dating is very American. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. And it's awesome. It should be that way. You should be going out on dates and getting no different guy. I mean, duh. It just makes sense to me. Exa- right? Totally. But I didn't know. So I was very lost. So between the two things, the Iranian-American part of me and the fact I did have, even though I had incredibly open-minded parents, but I still came from that culture, you know, I still had great aunts in the grave who were, you know, sending me more, you know, (laughs) messages of like how I'm supposed to be, you know. So um, I didn't have any confidence when it came to dating because... Who would want to be with a five foot two singing, screaming, you know, little person? It sounds like you're describing me. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my God. I have no idea you're five foot two. Wow. Yep. Oh my God. We have a lot in common. We do. I love karaoke and we both live in NorCal, so we should make this happen. Oh my God. Yes. I love karaoke. <laughs> oh my God. Screw technique. Let's do that. <laughs> I'll sing and all that jazz. Yeah. Oh, I love um, it. This is going to be good. All right. Um, So between, you know, all of that, my confidence when it came to dating and men was like almost as, you know, just little as a pea. And so I had all these limiting thoughts in my head, right, about why I'm not lovable, why I'm not good enough, why it shouldn't work for me. So what would I do? I go after guys that weren't serious. The players, the non-committals, the one that I could take care of, right? And 11 boyfriends and 12 years later, I was either cheated on or they would leave me to get in a relationship immediately with another woman. And it's interesting that I say that because I am a big believer in not assuming because I don't know if all of them cheated on me. And I don't want to put this general dramatic statement that they all cheated on me. But they did get into a relationship, like, for example, a week later with somebody that I would see at school. And I'll be like, whoa, whoa, wh- where did she come from? <laughs> you know? 
maybe they were very friendly. I don't know. But the moral of the story is it wasn't until my fiance in 2010, he had this pattern when we got together back in 2008 of breaking up and then making up and then breaking up and making up. And by that, I mean, he would like leave and take everything out of the house and then come back and bring everything back. Uh. Can you imagine the psychological torture that you would go through? And the apartment was, you know, my apartment in San Francisco. So he would leave. And so the apartment would get like a cartoon, half empty, half full and half empty and half full. And I literally was, by the second time was 95 pounds. I was shopping at Gap Kids because I'm five foot two. So 95 pounds, five foot two, that's like a normal teenage size. And it wasn't until that second time I started, you know, really working on myself because I was so obsessed to get him back because I was about 35, 36 years old. And I was like, there will be no other man. And if I don't keep him, I'm screwed. Oh yeah. Cause you're, you know, your biological clock's ticking. Everybody's saying, oh, you have to be married by this time. Come on. You're in your late thirties. Exactly. And not only that, but what would my Persian family say? Oh, dear Lord. Right? How am I going to tell the news to my great uncle in the little town in Iran that we're not together anymore? Because in their eyes, you know, we were married, even though we were only engaged, but we were married. So there was so much anxiety around it. And it wasn't until I went to a lot of therapy and through that process, the therapy was not working at all, I learned about coaching. And I got so excited about it that I actually enrolled to become a coach. And not knowing that I would ever actually do it, but I was like, if I go to the source, if I become a coach, I can heal myself. And through that process, I started healing and I started learning tools. And I, the first thing I learned, and I remember that clearly, it was in my kitchen and I was reading my course book. And I closed the book and I said, you are the common denominator between all of your relationships, which means you attract all these guys, which means you can unattract all these type of guys, just like you can attract them. So let's learn how you can do that. And then the rest of history, you know, and then there was a journey of, you know, becoming a coach. And then through that, you got a lot of coaching and blah, 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 you know, and then you go on this self-improvement journey. And, you know, two years later, I go online and I'm doing research for my coaching business. I decided I want to be a dating coach. I want to help women find love because it was so fascinating, the process for myself. And um, I met Tim on OkCupid. And tell us who Tim is. Tim is the love of my life. <laughs> and he's my life partner. Um, we both don't believe in marriage, but we do believe in committed partnerships. So we call each other life partners. Maybe one day we'll get married. I tell him I want the ring. That I'm not giving up on. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been life partners and committed to each other for six and a half years. And we have had our ups and we have had our downs like any couple do. And there are days where I'm like, what the hell are we doing? And there are days where I'm like, oh my God, how did I get so lucky? And I've learned that that's being in a relationship. Well, you know, when you were describing your relationship with your fiance and the back and forth and back and forth, I could feel that anxiousness and that tenseness in my shoulders and not having experienced that like you have. And knowing that feeling, comparing it to what you have now, what kind of feelings do you have when you think of your relationship with Tim? 
Oh, man. You know, I know that no matter what, as Tim says, we're battle tested, we will work it out. I feel safe with him. I can completely trust him. And that to me was a huge non-negotiable. You show me one ounce of not being honest, you're out. And that's what I teach my clients, you know, the five non-negotiables, which is very important to get clear on because you can't have 12, you can't have seven, you can't have 20. Or like one of my clients had 112. Oh, oh yeah. You know, you do that, date yourself. Um, but one of my five non-negotiables was honesty and integrity and trust. And Tim is a man of his word. I know when he says something, he will do it. He might not do it on my timeline, but he will do it. It's so funny you should say that because, and I think that this is probably very common to women who date, is settling. Settling for that, okay, well, he's not this, but, you know, and having that non-negotiable, for instance, trust. And I have settled in that area Mm -hmm. thinking, okay, I want to believe this person. I want to believe this person. And knowing that, you know, the alarm bells are going off. Yeah. Also knowing like, okay, I should be able to trust this person. I should be able to trust them. Is there something wrong with me that I'm not able to give that? And then of course, recognizing later, oh, that's why all the alarm bells were going off is because that person was not trustworthy. Yes, absolutely. You nailed it. And that's exactly one part where You know, like in the dating tip group that you said you were in there looking, the talk that we had yesterday, I do this Tuesday dating tips and Q&A with the women in that group. And one of the questions was, do you think I should give up? I can't never tell you that. I can never tell a woman, yes, you should give up or no, you shouldn't give up. But what I can tell you and teach you is you should never settle. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times settling only means settling with the wrong guys. Settling also means for many, many, many career-oriented, smart, ambitious, high-cheating women, settling means settling for loneliness, you know, giving up on finding love. Oh, I'm totally okay by myself. Girls, let me tell you, been there, done that, got the t-shirts. I also feel if you settle for being alone that you're missing out on a huge area of growth in your life and you're cheating yourself in a lot of ways. Oh my God, you said it. Because I mean, I felt that and that's the only reason I can recognize it is because I've been in the position where I've said that to myself. And then I've had the opportunity to have those conversations with someone who we were looking at going in that direction and knowing that if we had decided to go in that direction, that it would have been amazing in terms of my personal growth and their personal growth. It didn't end up going that direction, but it gave me a lot of insight into what I want to have and what I think is necessary for me to continue growing. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. What you're saying is so true because as I said, it's in our DNA. We're cheating ourselves if we think that being lonely is what we want. You might feel good about it right now, in your 40s or even 50s. But I tell you, as we grow older and as life changes, and life does change, I always tell my clients, think about you being 80, 85, sitting on your front porch and looking back at your life and you're seeing that amazing partner, you know, who's either gardening in front of you or sitting next to you, you know, sipping on his tea and reading his newspaper. 
when you think about that changing pivotal moment in your life when you made the decision to learn how to find love the right kind of love for you how does it feel and most women say amazing i'm so grateful when i think of myself being 80 85 and see that i'm like wow thank god i made that decision thank god i got on the path of learning how to do this yeah and it's a learning process which is why i think your coaching is such a great thing because when you've worked your whole life and you've been striving to pave your way in a career, your relationships, at least for me, and I know a lot of other women go by the wayside. And we don't think about what the consequences of that might be in the future, because all we know is that we have a focus and that means we don't have enough time. We end up forming all these, oh, well, it'll happen one day. You know, the right guy's just going to fall in front of me. Yep. <laughs> right? The excuses. Right. You're just like, I can't find any. I don't go out. Where am I going to find them? I mean, they're all, I've heard some people say they're intimidated by me. They're, oh, yeah. Um, they're all the guys are taken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, I only attract jerks. So what's the point? Yep. So fix it. Because my, um, you know, I specifically work with women who have created that amazing career. And then they're like, why is it that I'm so smart in having a job, but I can't find love, right? Because I've seen that those women, in fact, have a harder time. And that's why I want to help them. So tell us how to fix it, Rika. How do we fix it? Well, I mean... Um, <laughs> stop having excuses. And you know what? Get off your ego high horse. Here's the deal. Most smart, successful, high achieving, ambitious women have a hard time admitting that they need help in this department. Because God forbid they should know it when they came out of their mother's womb. We're supposed to know everything. We studied really hard. Exactly, right? And let me tell you, did you learn in your school? Because Dina, you're a great example of that demographic, right? Yes, I am. <laughs> no, as somebody, I mean it. In it I mean it. In, <laughs> you're terrible. I mean it in an education way, lady. Oh, okay. Yes, educational standpoint. Yes, I am very educated. I am overeducated. Right, you're overeducated. Okay, so in your years of education, like we talked about earlier, there wasn't any class on this. What really is mind-boggling to me is that how is that not clear to a smart woman that if you have not taken a course or if you have not learned about it, how on earth do you expect to know how to do it? But that's the product of what our school tells us. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I know about how medical school works because I come from a family of doctors, okay? And I remember, like, my cousins would talk about how tough it is to be an intern. There was no room for making mistakes. So imagine you go through medical school, and I'm assuming when you are a, a lawyer, it's quite similar, you know, that there is so much intensity there. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're dealing with criminal justice and anything like that. Yeah, you're dealing with someone's liberty. Yeah. Okay. It's like the stakes are high. Now, let me tell you, an opera singer will tell you exactly that. I grew up in this old-fashioned classical world where mistakes 
will cost you your rent check. Ooh. Yeah, because you don't get hired. You sing one note out, the next person is going to get the job. One note. We're not talking about one phrase. We're talking about one note. That's how brutal it is. And everybody, what I've learned is that I thought, you know, classical musicians had to be perfect. No, every one of us in our career, engineers, coders, lawyers, doctors, nurses, we all think that our jobs are the end all be all. It's life or death situation because we're all taught that way. So when you're taught that way, what happens? You have to learn how to make decisions on the spot and be decisive and be right and take space and stand up for yourself because the next person is going to come take your job. Now that attitude ain't going to get you a husband. Damn. Okay. Tell me what to do, Raika. Okay. So, <laughs> so the most important thing is you have to first admit that what you have learned and your education has nothing to do with you being able to find love. So please be humble about it. Please be smart about it. Just like you were smart enough to go to school to learn how to become amazing at your job. You didn't come out of your mom's womb. And then when you were like 20, you said, well, I should know how to be a lawyer now. But all those girls and all those Cosmo magazines, they make it look so easy. I mean, aren't you just supposed to like flip your hair or something? And right. Exactly. So be smart and know that that's not reality. You're a smart woman, then use your smarts in a smart way. I mean, if we're talking judgmental, smart versus stupid, which I don't believe in that anyway. But if we're talking common lingo, if you are smart enough to go to school to educate yourself, if education is important to you, then don't be a hypocrite about it. And then when it comes to your love life, all education is a, I shouldn't be doing that. He's going to think that I'm not smart enough. Why is having education around your career so highly regarded. And we actually go and talk to people. I know when I grew up, we talked to people about like grown-ups, like other successful people. We even go to their offices. I would like to take your time to learn about how did you become a doctor or a lawyer or a whatever. But does anybody pick anybody else's brain on like really finding love? Except for, you know, we talk to our sisters and mothers and hairdressers and friends. And, you know, it's kind of like a blind leading a blind situation. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm being so blunt, but... No, girl, I love this. This The reason I even have you on here is because of your personality. So, (laughs) (laughs) but this is real talk. And I don't think that as women, and I'll speak for myself right now. I do not feel that growing up that I had people to emulate that I wanted to emulate in a relationship. So for instance, I didn't want to emulate my parents' relationship. I loved that they loved each other. I loved that they had a joking relationship with one another. But my mom waited on my dad hand and foot. And hell no, I'm not going to do that for anybody. Yeah. I would give to a point, I would also expect something given back. You know, it's a partnership. Yes. In that respect, I did not want to emulate that. And there are also different things like you observe in my parents, you know, watching how they communicated with one another and that I did not always see the communication that I would have wanted or would want to have in a relationship that I have. So I rely on, you know, I have friends who have very good relationships and I will talk to them, but we don't always have that growing up. And sometimes we're just at a loss. Like what the heck, how do we go forward? Exactly. So to my first point, 
and you said how, right? You could show us how. The first thing is please be honest with yourselves. If you want to find love, find love. Stop being so fakely strong about it and stop being so hard on yourself and admit that, you know what? How exciting I get to learn how to date. How fun. And believe me, this is the only educational line of education, whatever, is that you don't have to read a lot of thick books. It's very practical. So that's the first thing. Please admit that you are not your mom, that you're not your cousins. We're not talking about their love lives. We're talking about your love life. And you deserve to find love. And you can find love because there is a guy, there are more than just one guy out there who's dying to meet you. We need to talk about that because that is a trap I think a lot of women fall into and I have in the past where it's like, okay, there's not enough. We're not having that abundance mentality when it comes to men who are out there. Can you talk to us about that? I mean, my answer to that is, have you actually gone and taken census? I mean, you're a smart woman. Have you actually gone to every door and asked and checked? Well, we need to phrase it as, okay, there's what? 7 billion people in this world and half of those people are men. So it's us 3.5 billion people. And so are all of them taken? Are all of the good guys taken? I mean, there's different ways that we need to be phrasing this in our brain rather than saying, oh, there's nobody, which is just not true. Here's a tip. And this is something that actually, this is a tool that I'll share with your lovely ladies. And that is use the magic three words up until now. Ooh. Up Until now, I haven't met the right match. Oh, God. It makes things so much more exciting because that means in a minute, I might meet the right guy. In a day, in a month, in a week, there's still that possibility. And here's the deal. If you guys are waiting to find the guy, then believe that real love happens, keep waiting because it ain't going to happen. The work and that's where you know people like me come in, is that you must believe that you're going to have it in order to create it. You cannot go from having it and then saying, when I have it, I'm going to feel so good and loved. No, you got to feel so good and loved and believe that you're going to have it so that you will do certain things like put your online profile out there, go to, you know, singles events, you know, and again, you know, I have a whole free download that your lovely ladies can have free access to that shows them where they can meet quality men and what are the ways to meet quality men. But you have to first believe it. So the formula of when I see it, then I'm going to believe it. It's broken. How's that working for you? Has that worked so far? You're a smart woman. If it's not working, then don't keep using it because the results are not going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. That's like cooking with the same recipe and then saying, oh no, I know this is going to be a different food. It's going to be the same damn food. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So this is what I am understanding so far on what you're telling us lovely single ladies. First off, Just stop making excuses. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. Recognize that all of these excuses for not being able to find somebody, that's all on you. You got to stop that. Yeah. And Dina, let me open a little parenthesis there because for many, that could be harsh, right? And I get it. Finding love 
is, as I said, very intimate and vulnerable act. And it challenges the deepest fears, the deepest negative things that we believe about ourselves. And we all have it. The strongest one of us has it. You know, we all, we're human. So it challenges that part of us. And I want to tell this to all of you ladies who are listening to this with so much love that I want you to have faith and have courage. I want to encourage you to have courage. And even though it feels that up until now, it is hopeless, it is useless, all your efforts have gone to nothing. I promise you, because I've done this for eight years, I've helped hundreds of women find love. Doctors, engineers, business owners, mothers of three, mothers of two, mothers of grown-ups, mothers of little ones, you name it. And I know that it feels very lonely and that loneliness is so discouraging. And dating is a difficult process because again, it messes with your psyche and it challenges your perception of whether you are valuable or not. Mm. You know? That's a good way to put that. And that's why I believe that an irresistible woman, a woman who is out there who's in the top 1% of the single ladies who are dating. Because let's say if there's like 100 women out there, there's just one of them who just really stands up, right? That woman knows how to be resilient. That woman knows this is a process. That woman works on herself in a way that she has tangible tools to put in work when those thoughts, when those feelings come. And believe me when I say, I've been in a relationship for six and a half years. I'm with the love of my life. But just two nights ago, I was on the bed sobbing, thinking it's over and I can't do this anymore. Hmm. And I'm telling you this, and I'm being so transparent with you because I want you to know that we're all human. I'm not sitting on my podium saying that this is any easier for me, you know, and I can, you can't, and you need to listen to me. I want you to know that I'm one of you because even being in a relationship, I'm still learning to be vulnerable. I'm still learning that even though I thought that's it, it cannot work, that was my perception. And when Tim came in and we had a conversation and he opened this whole other world with his points, I realized, oh, that was my limiting way of looking at it that made it look like it's not possible. Yeah. You know, when you're saying that this is very much goes back to what you were saying about how our society has really shut down in a way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Unforgiving. Right. It's unforgiving. It's unwilling to have that conversation, to have that openness. Yes. And that hurts us in the end no matter whether or not it's a personal relationship, like what you're talking about, like one-on-one relationship, or whether or not it's in this larger sphere of communicating with people online or, you know, what we're seeing in the news and in the streets, you know, it's just an overall shutting down that causes us pain. So much. So that's the part that I have seen women, you know, having a hard time with because The perception is, I have been responsible. I have studied to become this that I am today. I am making money. I am paying my rents. I am a good citizen. 
good for you, but none of that relates to your love life. <laughs> That's fantastic. You need to do a little bit more. So you need to take responsibility, lady, for the way you're showing up in your life. And then the next thing that you said was, second, take your ego out of it. Admit that you don't know everything. Oh, it's the most freeing thing. Like for a second, just imagine with me, ladies, just for a second, just entertain the idea. I know it's hard for some of you to admit that you don't know what you don't know. But for a second, just as a game, it only takes about, let's say, 10 seconds, right? And then you can go back to knowing everything. Imagine you don't know. You don't have the responsibility to know everything. You don't have to know everything. Feels so good not having to know everything. Right? Like, <sighs> it's freeing. Right? It's like a weight gets off. There's a lot I don't course. know. Exactly. And you don't have to. That's the beauty of life, which brings me to my next point, which can help you. And that is date to grow. Don't date to find the guy on your next date. It's going to drive you crazy. Date to grow. Because believe me, when you do that and your focus is more on growing and learning about yourself and learning about your needs and your wants and your desires, every date has a purpose. Even with the loser guy who showed up late and, you know, didn't pay, you know, even for himself. But should we even be going out with guys that ask us out that we really are just looking at them like, no, I'm not attracted no. to you? Okay. It's not like we're experimenting. We're not taking the experiment that far. No, 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 words. no, no. Okay. I've heard these dating experiments where a woman dates, you know, three men a week for a year or something like that. Like just like a crazy amount of dates during a year, once a week, something like that. And I'm like, really? I don't want to say yes to everybody. There's no way. I'm very choosy in who yes. I want to spend time with. And I love the word you picked because there's a difference between being picky and choosy. And that's what I teach, you know, because... Here's the deal. You can't be picky. And I know you're smart and you're awesome, but you know what? So are the high quality guys. This is a two-way street. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to go date everybody and their mother, but a lot of times what we do is because we have mistakenly learned that is that we judge people beforehand. I don't do that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right? I'm so sorry. This does not pertain to you. <laughs> <laughs> but for those of us who want to be honest with themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and do the first step that I taught. Take personal responsibility. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. This is so much fun. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid this is going to turn into like a three-part podcast. <laughs> hey, we'll bring you back. I mean, people have questions. We'll bring you back. It'll be fun. Anytime I can serve, for sure. Because I love you. You know, yeah, I love you too. Okay, so what was I saying? So what I was saying is, Dina, help me. What was judgmental? I like you oh, know, judgmental, right? Yeah. So this is super important because, for example, I had a Persian Jewish. I always use her as an example. A Persian Jewish doctor who came to me. She was thirty nine, forty when she started working with me. This is a few years back, and she was like 
gung-ho on the fact that she must marry a Persian Jew. He must be a doctor because she was a doctor or like some high rank, you know, doctor, lawyer, whatever. And I said, okay, so listen, here's the deal. If you want to do that, I recommend you go back to Iran because you're so specific. I can't create that kind of miracle for you. Like if I could, I would be charging you a million dollars, first of all, because I don't create men. But what I, <laughs> do, I mean, I wish I did. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes. <laughs> that would be a total sci-fi version of dating with confidence. So yeah. So the thing is, in this process of going through the irresistible woman process, which is something I teach, one of the biggest things that women learn, and that's where they get challenged, is learning how to say goodbye to the judgment part. Because that's the scariest thing when we think, well, I want my guy to be tall and I want my guy to be this and I want my guy to be that, like my client, right? But when she started actually going after guys based on definitely their looks and chemistry, of course, I don't want you to be with a guy that you're going to like throw up, you know, on the date. Nobody wants that. Nobody's saying that. But I want you to be honest about, are you judging? Are you judging by his outfit? Are you judging by the way he showed up? Are you judging by what he's saying or the sound of his voice or the style of his hair or his tie, you know, or even what he does? I mean, be careful because this client of mine who was so adamant that she's going to, you know, only want a Persian Jew who ranks at this level, you know, career-wise, got married to Indian and now has a kid. What? Yep, it's possible. Because, and this is what I teach my clients, and it's so freeing when you date like this, when you don't outline what he's supposed to look like and be in terms of the external attractive qualities, but you focus on the internal qualities. Does he have communication skills? Okay, so I'm going to ask you the question that I'm sure other women would be asking right about now, which is, well, what if I have a type? Like, I know I'm into this particular looking dude. I've always dated dudes who look like this. Why should I try dating these other people I've never been attracted to before? How has that worked for you? That's my question back to you. Snap, snap. I mean, here's the deal. If you want to continue doing the same thing, why are you paying me the big bucks? <laughs> doing what you're doing. I'll say good luck to you. <laughs> Listen, I get it. I was the queen of type. I mean, if you look at those 11 guys that I dated, they were hot. I totally had a type. And the first time I met Tim, I was shocked at his attire. Ooh, what was shocking about it? Everything. I mean, that outfit, let's put it this way. That outfit is non-existent right now. It's long gone and it is, I don't know. I, I didn't even think it should go to Goodwill or something. Oh, it's that bad. bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, did he not put any thought into it? Like, what? Like, I literally looked at it. I was like, oh, okay, wait, nothing is right here. Like, not his sweater, not his pants, not his shoes. Like, what was he thinking? And then here's, you know, this like six foot four tall guy. And I've always been with tall guy, but not six foot four. Um, maybe one of my boyfriends was like that tall, but he at least dressed well. And 
when I saw it, I was just, oh my God. But then I was like, you know what? I'm done going with what is he wearing? How did that work out for me before? Now, I'm not going to rebel against what I love. And Tim really knows I'm a big, big, big one when it comes to attire. I love men who dress sleek. And sometimes he likes to hear it and sometimes he doesn't. And that's okay. But if I had gone based on my pattern of going with men whose attire was nice and who were sleek and, you know, charismatic and, hey, how you doing, you know, kind of thing. How did that work out for me? What if I get to know this guy? And Dina, the more I got to know Tim, and here is another thing that I want to say, because most of you women would hear this and run the other direction. So he stood up and we were actually at a park watching an outside Beethoven ninth, you know, concert, because that's where I go for my first dates uh, with my friends, because I met him online and I didn't want to be, I don't know, like robbed or raped or whatever. It's totally like I took eight of my crazy singing friends with me and he came with one of his friends because he didn't want to be alone. Aww. And so we stood up and he was like, you know, literally I'm five foot two, he's six foot four and he's towered over me and he put his hands on my shoulders and he said you know if this actually goes somewhere you will be the shortest girl I've ever dated now I could take that really in the wrong way sure yeah totally be judgmentally so I turned it around and I said well I don't mind being your first oh right that's a big deal I mean we get so sensitive about I mean I know I have in the past I can't say I am not guilty of this and I've definitely made some leaps and bounds over the years <laughs> but you know it's very easy for us to make assumptions and rather than doing that why not just be open and assume maybe the best even oh my goodness yeah like and it just came to me I just was like you know what? I gotta show him what I'm made of and so why well, don't mind being your first, which is normally your first, you know, you're like a your first sexual, you know, whatever. So, yes, right. Thank you for explaining right. that. <laughs> <laughs> There's another. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> We're talking about dating. I mean, eventually that's the goal yes. in case no one listening right? exactly. knew that that was where this might be. <laughs> I should put another warning on the podcast. Like <laughs> warning, dating might cause sex. Just FYI. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. He loved it. I mean, it's crazy. He just looked at me and he was like, you're a good one. And I said, well, you're about to find out. And we just, you know, there's a little bit of a banter. But can you imagine if I had gotten offended? Oh, God. Okay, can we just for a second pause there and like put, you know, like slow motion on Tim and what's going on inside his mind? Please do. He's a man. He's a human. He's nervous. He's meeting eight of my crazy ass singer friends who are loud and obnoxious because singers, we think the world is our stage. So we're like, you know. He's not used to that. And he's being cool enough to handle that craziness on our first date. Mm -hmm. So, so what that he says something like that? And he probably thought he was flirting. Like he probably thought it was funny. Totally. And you know what? I don't care what anybody feels about my height. I feel good. And that's the only person that counts. And that's what an irresistible woman is about. All right, Ika. 
We've got some good tips here. Do you have anything else you wanted to share with listeners before I start asking you where they can learn more about you? Okay, here is what I want to share with you. I know, as I said at the beginning, it takes courage to find love. And I know at times it feels impossible. And I know how terrifying it is to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there date after date, chat after chat on online, party after party with family and everybody asking, why are you still single? When are you getting married? You know, I know that that stuff is exhausting emotionally, but you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your heart to at least give it a try and learn how to date and find the love of your life, which is the most important decision you will be ever making. Because here's the deal, lovely, amazing women. Your job, like mine, will not talk back at you, will not love you back, will not be there for you when you have a physical injury, will not hold your hand when you're scared or somebody passes away in your family, will not make financial decisions with you or have a baby with you. Your job will not be able to make you feel loved and adored and commit to you because your job is not a human. You might love your job, but that's a one-way street. So you owe it to yourself before you give up, before you get frustrated, to give it a shot and say, you know what? If I'm so amazing at my job, the only reason I haven't been able to do this up until now is because I don't have the information. And then get the information. It really is that simple. And if in the process somebody, you know, asks you about it, like, oh wow, you're taking courses or you're learning or you're da 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 da. Yeah, because I'm a kind of person who educates myself on the most important parts of my life and take pride in that. Be proud of yourself that you treat your love life just like the rest of your life. You just don't blindly go in it, but you research and you educate yourself. And know that even though vulnerability feels and seems on the surface as weakness, there is nothing stronger, nothing stronger than a human who's truly open and vulnerable. And once you reach it, I'm not talking about oversharing, vulnerability. Learn what vulnerability is. When you reach that level, nobody can mess with you. Nobody can mess with your heart. Nobody can mess with you because it's a whole different level of being. And there are people like me out there who will support you who will hold your hand, who will keep, hold space for you. And you don't have to do this alone. Oh, that was so sweetly said, Reika. Thank Aww. you. So would you please tell our listeners where they can learn more about you? Oh, sure. I am everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm everywhere in social media. I am mostly on Facebook. I have a free group called Dating Tips for Savvy Single Ladies. So by all means, um, feel free to join it. You just have to answer a few questions before you get in because we highly, highly, highly vet it. And we're very picky about the women that we let in. It's a very safe 
place to be able to be open and ask questions. It's private. So nobody, none of your friends on Facebook can see your posts, even though you can see them on your feed. So that's that. And then I'm on Instagram at Dating with Confidence. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, same thing, Dating with Confidence. I uh, also have a website. So that is datingwithconfidencecoaching.com. And feel free to go there and look around. There's a lot of literature for you to read and watch. You, know, you can watch my YouTube TV series, Dating for One One, or you can read my blogs. And I, I do have an award-winning blog, so by all means, go ahead and... Oh, it's an award-winning blog. It's an award-winning blog. I had an opportunity to look at some of your YouTube videos. So for anybody who is exploring this world of putting themselves out there, you know, whether it's online, she has tons of information there that's free. If you're not ready to jump into coaching, then start there. Yeah, date me. Yeah. <laughs> I like date it. Date me, baby. <laughs> well, it's been really nice getting to chat with you. This has been really fun. Yeah, with you too. Oh my God, Dina, you're such a gentle soul. I, I have so much respect for you. And as I said, I bow to women like you who are doing you know, such amazing jobs out there and all the books you've read. I mean, that's enough for me to have a lot of respect for you. Oh my goodness. You know, those books. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> oh karaoke. We've got to figure out yeah. some karaoke. Yes. And then we okay. can do a podcast from the karaoke place and do a duet. Oh my gosh. That would be so fun. I wonder if there's any more of Jim's students who live in NorCal. I wonder if we could do like a get together. Okay, my dear. Thank you. Mwah. All right, so I'm going to do a quick recap of what I saw the biggest pieces of Raika's advice were because I want to make this really actionable for you, and that's just what I like to do. It makes it real clear for me. So first, stop with the excuses. Take personal responsibility for where you are in your life right now. We've been responsible getting to where we are, but it's time to bring this responsibility to how we show up in our love lives. Second, stop being so hard on yourself. We don't know everything. We're not taught this stuff in school. And it's understandable that we may be hard on ourselves because in our jobs, there's no room for making mistakes, but we are going to change things here. All right. Step three, educate yourself. Approach relationships like you would approach educating yourself in other areas. Raika provides lots of information on her website. You can get all of the links that we talked about at dinacataldo.com forward slash two three. That's the number 23. Fourth, our mindset needs a shift. Reframing our mindsets in terms of the excuses we've made in the past is going to make a big difference. You can use words like up until now, I haven't met the right match or up until now, fill in the blank. This leaves our brains open to possibilities. Our belief that this happens has to come before we actually get the results. We actually have to believe we're going to have it in order to create that. Fifth, this goes into the idea that we have a type, right? So this goes into the mindset thing. And we talked about having a type, but we need to expand our minds. Six, Dating to grow, not to find the one. The more we know about ourselves, the more we know what we want, the better off we're going to be when we find the guy or girl that we want. Seventh, drop the expectations. It's okay to be choosy about who you spend time with, but getting incredibly specific about what we want isn't helpful. Notice if you're judging a person by what they wear or the job they have. Just notice these things and keep your mind open. 
Remember to go to dinacataldo.com forward slash 23 to get all the links we mentioned. Raika has a ton of info for you to dip your toes in the water if you're not sure you're ready for relationship coaching. So please take advantage of it. There's a ton of free resources out there for you. All right, I will talk to you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Soul Roadmap. If you have a moment, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, and left an honest review on iTunes. I read every single review, so let me know what you want to hear more or less of, and I'll talk to you next week.